Hey y'all, what's good? Welcome to Sound and Strain with Ryan Cano, and I am your host, Ryan Cano. Most people know me as the founder and owner of The Loyalty Firm, which is an artist management and concert events company based in Austin, Texas. You may have known me in my time as the music director and talent buyer for the Pecan Street Festival in Austin, Texas, which is now the largest arts and crafts and music walking festival of its kind in North America. And that is thanks in no small part to the amazing artists I was able to bring to that fest. And some of you only know me from this podcast, and that's cool. Welcome to episode number four. This episode is going to be very music heavy, more sound and less strain this time around. I am celebrating the release of Velcro Wolf's debut new album, Destroyer of Batteries, and we are going to crank out some jams this show. How is your week going, everyone? Mine is going pretty well so far. The weather has cooled off a bit in Austin. It is not super hot as fuck anymore. And, you know, my body just hates the heat these days. So when it cools off, I just get a whole new vibe. I feel energetic and it just makes me want to go out and enjoy the city. And I really have just been driving around when, you know, the indoor starts to really get to me. And that's really how I've enjoyed the city during a pandemic. You know, I just get my windows down. I'm just feeling good as I drive around. And speaking of Austin, the city council has finally approved some $15 million in relief earmarks specifically for, a, you know, a narrow group of businesses, which includes you know, venues. And this is what I'm talking about, saving our stages. This money is coming in response to Save Austin's Vulnerable Economic Sectors Resolution, which was adopted by City Council on September 17th. The $15 million is going to be split three ways, with one-third exclusively to music venues uh, through the Austin Music Venue Preservation Fund. A third is going to go for child care centers, so Austin Child Care will provide relief grants, which is great. And the final $5 million is for iconic venues, restaurants, and art organizations. So that's going to be distributed through Austin's Legacy Business Relief Grant. Music venues will effectively have access to $10 million of the funding as, you know, unlike other businesses that are targeted for this relief, they've been unable to operate at almost any capacity since closing in March. So this is fucking awesome news. It's a wonderful start, you know, to helping solve this crisis. Now, we know if the city was truly all in for live music, we really wouldn't have to make such a loud effort from citizens and venue owners and musicians to get them to focus on this problem we're all facing. And I hope this is the first step for them truly looking at saving, you know, the small businesses associated and creating the live music capital of the world. You know, it remains to be seen how this is, you know, handed out financially, but this is all real good news and a silver lining for sure amongst a deep sea of shit, of course. Shortly before I was to start recording this podcast, Dick Stain Donald Trump stopped COVID stimulus talks with Nancy Pelosi until after the election if he wins. So we're all being held hostage here, right? In that stimulus package that he is denying us, you know, amongst many things that would help just regular Americans was the Save Our Stages Act. And well, that shit isn't going to get approved now. So the fuck? What a vindictive shithead. All of us are just pawn in the president's game. Do you like being gamed? The deep truth to the matter is that the economy will continue to suffer the negative effects if we continue to basically do nothing about COVID-19. We basically have testing in this country and go wear a mask. And the testing part is really if you're lucky and near a big city. If you're in the middle of the country with not as many options out there, you may not have any options really. And 
we don't have contact tracing. We're not doing any regional shutdowns. We're just fucking winging it. And the government is sending us off to work or to death or whatever. And as long as we're there for them. And really, it's supposed to be the other way around. The government is there for you. They work for you. They're using your dollars to make this happen. And the government most certainly has the means to assist us all. And yet we've all really have just gotten a $1,200 stimulus check once. Do you have a single cent of that left? I mean, I don't. And, you know, the COVID-19 unemployment increase that was given out financially, I think it was initially like extra 600 bucks a week or something like that. Well, that's over and dried out. That's done. Until we're able to take this serious as a country, we're just going to keep seeing economic disaster hit the smallest businesses across the land. And leading us at the top is a narcissistic bully that specializes in lying to the American public and bankruptcies. I sure hope we get a change in the White House because we can already see what Trump will do with his chances in a pandemic. Trump is the worst president I've ever experienced in my life, and it doesn't feel good saying that so soon after George W. Bush. Oh, you're a Trump supporter that disagrees with me? First of all, wear a fucking mask, you goddamn imbecile. Second of all, your membership in this Trumpian death cult doesn't care about your membership unless you're 1% or rich. You're not in the 1%, then you're not a part of this party, even if they tell you you are. And lastly, use whatever critical thinking skills you have left and realize you're not living in reality. Still disagree? Go eat a dick, alright? Go argue with your mom. I don't really care. I want my live music industry to return. I want to see musicians working. I want to see venues putting on shows. And none of that happens until we have leadership who gives a flying fuck about our lives. Please get ready to early vote and have your voice heard in our democracy. If you're in Texas, I can tell you that voting early is fairly easy in the cities. The lines are shorter and sometimes no line at all. You can just breeze in and out. And the best part, voting feels so punk rock because you get to do what you want in that booth and you're bound to piss someone off out there. So go do that. We have too many that don't want to participate in voting and in our democracy and participation really, really matters, especially locally and statewide. So go vote, my friends. We have over 210,000 dead in the U.S. from COVID-19 and it's considered to be over 250,000 if you consider the underreporting. It's just a shame. It's There's no national moment of recognition or prayer, just nothing. It makes you think that they're trying to have us get used to all this mass death, so we'll be used to it when they try something later. And you already know our dumbass president caught COVID-19 by now. Nothing but being fucking reckless. And he was looking fucking terrible too, getting off that helicopter, heading back into the White House. And what the fuck was that bullshit? Like just trying to flex so hard to seem like you're not sickly. You look like shit. You were laboring to breathe. It's just authoritarian vibes the whole way. Mussolini's Italy, except it's here in America, the supposed land of the free. Ugh. That's enough about humpity trumpity. Uh, let's go grab a strain. We'll be right back giving out some free game while answering some questions. All the stupid shit I said is hitting me now. All the stupid things I did followed me around. All those lonely minutes in bed, I traded all to get them back. All the stupid shit I 
That was the track, All the Stupid Shit I Said, from Velcro Wolf's new album, Destroyer of Batteries, out worldwide on all streaming platforms. Velcro Wolf has this album up on Bandcamp as a name your own price download. Head there if you are into higher quality downloads. Go get your WAV file. This album is so goddamn good, y'all. It's catchy, it's hand clappy, it's upbeat and fun, even amongst some, you know, kind of morose lyrics. It's just great music from an even greater dude. Uh, and make sure you go listen to this record. Seriously, go check him out. Send him a message. Tell him you heard the music from this podcast. And he's everywhere online that you can think of at Velcro Wolf. It's one word, V-E-L-C-R-O-W-O-L-F. Go blow him up. Go dance to this shit on TikTok. And if you're at someone at radio, hit up Velcro Wolf or hit me up, uh, Ryan, over at the Loyalty Firm and we'll get you squared away with some music to play on the airwaves. Now, I wanted to answer some questions that came in. This first question comes in from my friend Manny, who I talked about on the last episode. Manny asks, what are you doing now to stake your claim and place in this new environment? First of all, that's, that's a wonderful question, Manny. Thank you for asking that. This pandemic environment as it relates to music has just been fucking devastating. I'm sure as you know too. And before the pandemic, the moves I was making were taking me away from Austin, most likely. I'd stopped doing small cap shows locally except for a few occasions here and there. And I'd always stepped into the concert events mainly because there was an issue with other promoters bowing out of the business or frankly just handling their shows like shit. So I stepped up and as soon as a new cycle of awesome promoters really came into town and set up shop, I had no issue placing the artists I managed on their shows. I'm just really about 
putting the artists I work with in the best positions to win. So it really wasn't about me being some, you know, a concert promoter in town. Uh, but I'd also had kind of stopped doing as many small cap shows while I was working at the Pecan Street Festival as the music director and talent buyer. I basically got paid more as we started getting bigger at the festival and it made the effort into booking small cap shows not worth, you know, the time or the money. Plus, the fest got bigger in attendance and it became quite more challenging to book because you wanted to keep making it better and better. So, you know, that was starting to just take more time too in general. That part of the business was already sunsetting at the loyalty firm when the pandemic hit. So it really wasn't as devastating as a blow to me personally as it may have been to, uh, not may have been, as it really was to others. The big thing that hit the artist management part of my business was my education's tour with Acid Mother's Temple doing the first leg of their trip around America was canceled. And it would have been an amazing tour with amazing crowds, and, but it just, you know, wasn't to be this year. And that tour has been rescheduled for 2021 and I hope America can get its shit together so it can happen. For my artists and the pandemic, I found that I really didn't need to have a chat with them about next moves. They already had their minds working and were at various stages of making a record. So I just let them take their space to be safe from COVID, just let them create and practice and be a band on their own terms and time. It feels pretty, it would feel in pretty poor taste and as a manager to be like, we got to push the agenda, keep hustling guys, let's go get it. We need to take stock to take care of families, take care of ourselves and be the best band we can be by being healthy and alive. When this all started, I had a premonition our leadership at the top would be prolonging this experience with COVID-19. I wasn't rushing anyone to have a release record or anything since, you know, selling an LP is pretty hard without touring. I personally think writing and recording music is the best use of a musician's time right now and they're doing it you know all my guys are doing it right in my estimation and once albums get done you know there's going to be a lot of work involved from there velcro wolf just dropped his magnificent debut lp this past friday my education is finishing up a full-length lp that is just going to amaze people when they hear it my education has to be one of the most diverse and underrated post-rock instrumental bands the genre has ever seen sound mass which is a double band with my education and salt lake city's theta knot has their third collaborative lp being finished swallow the rat have been finishing up an EP which is crazy because those guys just awarded all of us in our ears a full-length album back in April. I think all the bands I manage or consult with are making the most of the pandemic. My free game to other artists out there is to use your time as wisely as the artists on my management roster. Writing songs, making a record, I think that's just probably one of the best uses of your time in general but especially during a pandemic while everything is basically slowed down. Right now I am pushing Ryan Cano ahead of the loyalty firm. I mentioned in the premiere episode of this podcast that so many people I've met across the music industry knew of the loyalty firm but they did not know Ryan Cano and really I want that to change. Behind the scenes starting around year two or three at the Pecan Street Festival I started interviewing for some pretty big boy jobs. What do I mean by that? executive roles and maybe roles slightly under that title, you know, moving into the C-suite basically. And sadly, I didn't land these roles as I've been interviewing, but that's also something I'm trying to change as well. I've had this weird jinx lately of getting into the last stage of an interview and then the company hiring an internal candidate. Like, fuck, it is super gut-wrenching to go through those long interview processes, get the grand tour of their headquarters after being flown out and put up in a hotel, and you really get your mind wondering on what's next and how life is about to change in an exciting way, and then, bam, nothing. 
just, you know, back to normal, back to how it was. And some of the jobs I unfortunately didn't land have been music coordinator at ESPN. So I was out there in Bristol, Connecticut, director of supply partnerships and music, family and comedy at Groupon, which would have been basically in charge of all the partnerships for concerts in North America. Another role was strategic partnerships manager at Twitch. I mean, you see life changing roles for someone like me or anyone really. And I feel I've accomplished a lot as an independent small business owner, but I want to take on the challenge of working for a big company. I think it would validate the sacrifice I've made to follow this career path. The Pecan Street Festival gave me a chance to see what I could do when everything really wasn't all on me. I didn't have to create an entire festival experience from scratch or train a club how to kind of handle their live music business right. I just had my hand in the music part of that festival. People had their roles with sponsorships, stage design, security, etc. So my ethos for that fest was the book The Most Balanced Sounds Our Community Was Making Across Three Stages. I wanted to find the stars of today and the stars of tomorrow. You know, it gave me pride to book Alicia Lani and Jackie Vinson, for instance, years before they were to appear on the stage at ACL Fest. I wanted Pecan Street Fest to have music quality so goddamn good that we'd be a rite of passage for artists on their way to blowing up. It was also a good way for me to help a lot of artists that I never you know, might have been able to cross paths with. I saw attendance grow from low 80,000 to 210,000 people per festival when I left after working there for five years. And yes, I, I am flexing a bit right now. I want to do more of that on a larger, more visible scale as I think I have a ton to offer bigger corporations working with music. So how I'm staking my claim is really climbing that ladder again. I feel like in these higher level positions I'm going after, I can help more musicians than I've ever helped before in my life. And that's really one of the main things I want to do is help artists daily. And it sucks to not get these jobs that I've put a lot of emotion, passion, and effort into you know getting. Taking L's is part of shooting your shot. You just have to keep shooting. If the pandemic had never came, I may have finished the interview process with Austin FC and been the director of events at that stadium. But of course, live music events aren't happening at this moment. So if the pandemic never came and I didn't get that job with Austin FC, I would likely be recording this podcast in Los Angeles. I still think my future is going to take me there at some point as there's just more jobs in Los Angeles that I'm qualified for. LA, New York City, Nashville have wonderful music, you know, business infrastructure with more areas of work available for someone like me who is hoping to climb that ladder. Also, music business is almost purely live music businesses I've mentioned before and I want to be working possibly at a record label or a publisher or you know in music tech like YouTube or Twitch which Austin doesn't provide for the most part and I'm not you know, 100% away from live events by any stretch of imagination, I would think I would like to handle that challenge with Live Nation or, you know, something along those lines. More responsibility and more visibility and more ability to help more people at once. This year is a bit of a reset, but I feel like 2021 is going to be a big year for the artists on my roster and for the loyalty firm and for me on a personal note. I know I can sound negative when I'm showcasing the cracks in the system, but I am wildly optimistic on the inside about music in general and the music business too. Concerts will come back and the industry will rebound eventually and naturally. And lastly, I am doing this podcast, which I am super, super, super excited about doing. Yo, I know I went long on that answer, so let's roll a strain while we listen to some more sounds from Velcro Wolf. Be right back. Just fill my head with bass. Punch me. 
Hell yeah. Punch Future in the Face from Austin's Velcro Wolf and his new album, Destroyer of Batteries. That album is up to stream on your favorite platform right now. On to our second question coming in from a person who asked, whoa, they asked for his or her name to be withheld as they actively are talking to the company in question. So Anonymous asks, that's hard to say. Anon asks, is it common for co-pub deals to take 100% of publishing and 50% of composition? I thought the standard was 50% of pub and 0% of composition. Of course, knowing every deal is going to be different. Just wondering if you're seeing that from other companies more rarely than I expected. Wow, that's uh, that's a lot. So what this person is being offered is a co-publishing deal, but... The publishing company that's offering the deal is going to take 100% of publishing and 50% of composition. For those that don't know, a song is basically broken down into two parts. One part of it being the composition, the other part being publishing. Every songwriter you know, on a track has ownership of that composition up to that percentage and then publishing is typically owned by you know small artists themselves but it can be owned by several entities from the record label to just outside investors anyways not to get things too complicated this is sounds like this is a small artist who owns all of their compositions and owns 100 of their publishing at this moment first of all thank you for writing and thank you for asking for my take on this this is I need to say not an official consult. I'm not telling you what to do. Um, I don't represent you. So, you know, do what you want. But this is my take. Fuck that company. I'm going to go ahead and repeat myself. Fuck that company. Unless they are offering you a huge fucking bag of cash that will set you up for the rest of your life, then this is fucking robbery. Zero composition should be taken if they did not contribute to it. Publishing, again, you want to keep it, but if they are wanting to buy it, what are they truly offering you? A typical co-pub deal would be zero composition take and a 50-50 split on publishing. Even that can kind of seem egregious to me. I mean, I would never advise my clients to take on a co-pub deal with the terms you've been offered. Don't sign away your composition rights please those are yours and again if they're taking ownership of publishing they better be offering a healthy fucking advance that you just cannot deny that's that's it wow great fucking question i hope that can help some of you artists out there there's big power in saying no i'm gonna repeat myself there's big power in saying no not every offer that comes your way is going to be good for you that's just the bottom line and i wish it was different that's a major free game for you guys out there. That's about all for this week. Before we go, I want to remind you to follow or subscribe to the podcast. Send us questions through our website at soundandstrain.com or via Twitter at soundandstrain. Thank you for tuning in so far. Please tell a friend and have them tell a friend about this podcast. The Sound and Strain podcast with Ryan Cano comes every week in DIY HQ quality. Last thing before we head out, I want to read you the bio for Velcro Wolf as we're sending out his music everywhere, celebrating his new record, Destroyer of Batteries. So here's his bio as it goes. Velcro Wolf is just one dumb person in a bedroom making stupid things. I'm that person. And my name is JP Fertner. In 2009, I was fortunate enough to be part of a local band that had a tiny taste of minor success. As lead singer and songwriter of the band Built by Snow, we had an album that landed a song in a Google commercial, another in the Cartoon Network, 
and we got to go on a short tour and play some festivals. We were named an Austin Super Buzz Band and even picked as one of the nine bands to watch in 2009 by Austin Monthly Magazine. So of course, my mind broke right around then and I decided to pause the band. Soon after, I recorded and released a couple albums under the name Oh Lookout and got to push my own creative lo-fi boundaries by self-recording at home. An Austin Chronicle blurb about one of the songs said it recalls a pump organ and bedroom pop of Daniel Johnston, while other reviewers said JP is like an ADD pop poet and the music had catchy as hell themes. That was all great, so then, of course, my head stopped working again and I went on a completely new direction. I was born and raised in Austin, Texas. Remember, this is JP we're talking about again. I was born and raised in Austin, Texas, so I grew up surrounded by the most creative people on the planet. Around 2011, inspired by friends and other Austin artists, I started making show posters for venues and called myself Velcro Wolf. Over the next few years, I was fortunate enough to design for shows for many Austin venues, including Mohawk, Emos, Red 7, Swan Dive, Cheer Up Charlie's, Spider House, and Holy Mountain. Yeah. Those posters led to other design projects, including logos, branding, art for companies, including Float Fest, Austin Music Video Festival, Pecan Street Festival, High Times Magazine, and posters for the Bernie Sanders campaign. He's also done quite a bit of posters for the loyalty firm, I should add. Maybe all of them, I think. Back to the bio. Around 2013, I started getting into video editing and animation. I made a stop-motion laser astronaut video called Blasterer, which was featured in the Austin Music Video Festival, while other videos I made helped me land a job as a video producer and animator in a creative group at a software company. Between the design and the video work, I released less and less music. Now, here I am in 2020. I have dabbled in some music projects here and there over the last seven years, but this is the first full-length album I have finished since 2013. I decided to release this music under the name Velcro Wolf since that's the name I've been using in design and video work around town. It's pretty dumb though because changing artist names with every release probably makes it extremely difficult for people to find the music I create. I wrote most of these songs in bits and pieces over the last few years and then recorded everything in my bedroom at the end of 2019 and the beginning of 2020. I've been pretty excited about old Casio keyboards and cassette tapes over the years, so the aesthetic is definitely driving the tone of the album. Lyrically, I think I may have ended up suffocating some honest moments by also singing about the monsters from The Thing, imaginary Walkman tape scratching battles on the subways of New York in the 80s, and labeling my problems as a gigantic dinosaur named Tyranno. Then, I may have massacred any honest moments that were left by swallowing up the lyrics with 808s and Casio tone drums to keep it from getting too heavy. What's coming up next for Velcro Wolf? Nobody's playing live music right now, so neither am I. I've been helping some bands with album artwork, other creative outlets with logos, like this podcast, and I'm sure I'll make some more videos at some point. I'll probably dive deeper into Casio keyboards recorded on boomboxes and then make another album that really shows a lot of growth while I push the boundaries and really open up myself emotionally like a real artist because I take all this very seriously. Then I'll probably stop making music for a few years after my mind breaks again. I love that bio. Let's hope his mind doesn't break soon so we can keep getting great music from Velcro Wolf. And now, to end the episode is the track Beta Ray Love from Velcro Wolf's debut LP, Destroyer of Batteries, out now, everywhere. See you all next week, everyone. You're staring so hard.